right. Hey, everybody, who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in God's house? Come on, let's give him the best praise we can. Thank him for what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. Amen. Hey, I'm so glad you're here, and we're in week one of a new series we're doing. It's called The Second Coming of Jesus. We're, we're, we're going to talk about that today, but before I get into it, I want to look into the camera like I always do and just welcome everyone who's on the other side, whether you're watching online or, or live right now or later on down the road or you're at our 4.30 service. Come on, we just want to welcome you wherever you're watching from church. Can we welcome everybody who's with us on the other side today? Glad you're part of our church family. And before we get into the message, I want to celebrate last Sunday. I just don't, I don't think we need to go too far away from it than, uh, uh, without just celebrating what God has done. Come on, somebody. It's not for us, but it's to his name be all the glory. Last Sunday, we, or last weekend, we had a seven services, and across those seven services, 2,931 people attended those different services. Incredible. The 10 o'clock service last week, 10 o'clock service last week was, this, this room, to give you an idea, has 680 chairs in it. There were 797 people in the auditorium last Sunday for the 10 o'clock service. That's awesome, but it's also not sustainable, all right? So just, uh, if you love me and if you love the church, come on, we have an 815, we have an 1145, and a 4.30 on Sunday evening. So uh, we want to just make room for, for anyone who's new to the church. This is the most popular service time. And so last week there were chairs along the back. There were people sitting in the lobby. It was amazing. And, uh, but that's not the most important thing. You guys know that, right? You know that it's not about... It, it is about numbers. I, I'm going to tell you, it's about numbers because numbers matter. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. Okay, numbers matter because numbers equal souls. Numbers equal people uh, going from hell to heaven. Come on, somebody. So 194 people gave their life to Jesus Christ last weekend. Come on, let's thank God today for 194 people who are made new in Jesus. And, and today, part of, part of the next step for you would be to be water baptized. That's something that we normally offer on the first Sunday of every month, but it's it's the week after the biggest week of the year, and so we wanted to give you an opportunity to be water baptized today. Why, why wait? I love, that. I love that in the New Testament, there was one guy who says, why can't I be baptized right now? And that's the question I want to ask you. Why not today? Why not right now? Water baptism is it's a symbol. It's a command from Jesus uh, to follow up. It's a public declaration, but, but it's also a symbol that when we lay you down in the water, so when we water baptize you, we, we, we lay you down in the water. That's the symbol of the old you going into the water grave. That water represents a grave for the old you, but it also represents a birthing canal for the new you, birthed into the Spirit of God. Come on, He lives inside of you. So, so today, take that next step. We, we literally have everything. You don't need to go home and get clothes to change into. We've got it all. So you just, what you'll do is you'll, you'll grab the change of clothes, change into it, get baptized, then go to the bathroom, change back into the clothes you came in. All right? And so that's happening right after every service today. We'd love for you to be part of that. All right? So, uh, so let's get into it. Let's talk about the second coming of Jesus. Um, this is a, a new series we're kicking off. Part one is today. And uh, the, the theological term for this, this topic, uh, the second coming, the tribulation, the antichrist, the study of the end times, the, the theological word is eschatology. All right, and and I have, a, I have to confess to you that I'm not an eschatologist. It's not my specialty. All right, it's not something that I thrive in, um, and 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 so uh, I realize that. But I have done my homework. I'm doing I'm doing my best to prepare myself to bring you messages, and so um, the study of eschatology or the study of the end times, the second coming, is all about one thing. And that is that Jesus is coming again. Amen. He's coming again, everybody. He's, he, I, I know generations have been saying that. We're going to talk about that through this series. But he's coming again. And I know that in a room like this, there are people who... You, you were raised to believe one specific thing about the rapture or the second coming of Jesus. Like, I, I know that some of you, you were, you were raised, you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That means Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. That's what I, I, I grew up in. And then some of you, you believe in a post-tribulation 
rapture. That means that, that Christians are going to suffer through the tribulation and then Jesus is going to come back. Um, but there's, there's one more uh, belief, and that's what I, me personally, I am a pan-tribulation guy. That means it's all going to pan out. I, I'm not sure how, but <laughs> he's got it, all right? I'm just, it's all going to pan out. God's got this. Uh, uh, really, actually, I believe in pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that God's going to come back for the church before we have to suffer all of that, and we'll talk more about that in the series. But I, I do want to just say this. No matter where you are, which side of the aisle you sit on, when it comes to Jesus' return, uh, I, want us to have, I want us to have grace in this series because I want us to focus on the essential things, on the non-essentials, on the things that may, may be up for interpretation. Hey, let's have liberty and let's have charity, but let's come together around the central theme that Jesus is coming again. And no matter which aisle you sit on, you, you probably would agree with this. We're seeing prophecy, biblical prophecy, being fulfilled right before our very eyes on a daily basis. Things are happening. Uh, Jesus said it this way in, in Matthew chapter 24. He took some time to talk about the end of the world, the end of times. And he says that in the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of war. Anybody heard of a war lately? There's a war going on right now. Have you heard rumors of war? Have you heard of cold wars between the U.S. and China or Russia? Um, have you paid attention in the news about how China is brokering deals between Middle Eastern countries that historically hate each other and hate Israel? Israel plays a key factor in the end times, by the way. And so we have to pay attention to those things, that, that there is wars and rumors of wars. There is nation rising against nation. There is kingdom rising against kingdom. There's famines, and I know that in America, we, we feel a little bit protected from famine. We feel like, oh, that could, that could never happen here, uh, but it, it did 100 years ago, and it did two years ago when you went to the grocery store, and there wasn't much on the shelves. Do you remember that? Uh, you realize that America's $34 trillion in debt. There's, there's, there's famines in America. There are people in this city experiencing famine. They don't have anything to eat. And that's why we're a church that's focused on what's happening outside of the walls and not just inside the walls. Amen, everybody? So there's famine. But also Jesus said there's going to be pestilences. Do you know what another word for pestilence is? Pandemic. Check the thesaurus. Pandemic. He says there's, these things are going to happen. He says there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places, earthquakes all around the world. This year alone, 50,000 people have died due to earthquakes across the world. It's, it's, in the last 20-something year, millions of, peoples, millions of people have died because of earthquakes. It's, it's happening. End times are being fulfilled. Biblical prophecies are being fulfilled. And, and what I don't want to do is I don't want to make you afraid. Because I grew up in a church, there was a lot of fear. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus is coming. Is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> Not really, but it's fun. Uh, sin is pleasurable for a season, right? I mean, we, so, some of us, we're like, Jesus, could you just hold off for a little bit, right? Jesus is coming again. And I grew up in a church, man, it was, it was about fear. I was afraid of the second return of, of Christ. Um, I, I remember in my church, we had, in my Sunday school class, we had rapture practice. Before y'all think that we were weird, <laughs> we would just be in Sunday school class, and the, and the Sunday school teacher would say, rapture practice, and we'd go, woo, like, we're ready. I'm going on the first load, so I'm practicing. I'm going to be ready when Jesus comes back, right? So we, we had that rapture practice. Something happened when I was in high school called, called Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? We thought the world was coming to an end. Some of y'all are too young to remember that. Some of you, it was 2012, right? The world was coming to an end in 2012, too. That was Y2K for me. December 31st, 1999, the world is going to end because all of the calendars stop. There's no, there's no calendar that goes beyond the year 2000. The world is over as we know it. So I was at church in a prayer meeting at midnight on December 31st, 1999. I'm trying to go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to go on the first loadout. And then... And then uh, and then DC Talk. Any, some of y'all DC Talk fans, y'all remember DC Talk? They came out with a song in 2000. 
that went, there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. <laughs> the movie Left Behind came out. It's like, uh, this, this is, I'm scared. God's going to come back and I'm not going to go. That's the way I felt. And, and then when I was in high school, around 2001, I went to a Messianic church service. Messianic Jew is a, is a Jewish person who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So I went to this church. There was a guest speaker there that night. And he was saying, hey, I have figured it out. I've done the work. I've calculated it all. Jesus is coming back September of this year, 2001. Jesus is coming back. And I'm going, I'm not married yet. I, just, I, I have a life to live. There's, God, you can't come back yet. You can't come back. And I was a little scared until I remembered that Jesus said, no one knows. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels. He says, guys, I don't even know. And he says, only the Father in heaven knows when, when I'm coming back. And so there are books that are written about the second coming. There are, there are, I'm, I'm going to... There, there are people who operate in certain gifts, maybe prophets who, who say they have figured it out. There are movies that talk about it. There are predictions, but a lot of those are unfounded, okay? And, and, and we, need to, we need to read, we need to study, but let me say it this way. Um, there's one book that we need to study on what the Bible says about end times. There's one book that has the answers to the end of times. Can I get an amen? It's the Holy Bible. And, um, and so I've read some books. I've read authors. In fact, I'm going to use some of their material in this series. If you're interested in a good book like, like about this subject, Tipping Point by Jimmy Evans is a great resource that you could read. Um, I'll use some of those resources and, and other pastors and authors that I trust. But, but here's the thing. The most reliable source for the end times is the Word of God. It is the Holy Bible. All right? And let me say it this way. The only one who can foretell the future is the one who controls the future. The only one who can tell us what's going to happen is the one. The only one who can predict the future, the end times, is the one who wrote the future. He's the one who controls the future, and that is God. And he says, you don't have to be afraid. He says, you don't have to worry. You don't have to live in fear. And that's good news right there. So as a believer, if you're a believer today, you don't need to be afraid. If you're a believer, you don't need to be in fear. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be concerned. And so before we get into all the details in this series, before we talk about the judgment, the tribulation, we talk about um, the, the Antichrist and all of those things, I want to help you understand and I want to help you see that this is not a horror story that you need to be afraid of. It's a love story. You got it? It's not something you need to be afraid of. It's not a horror story. It is a love story. And I want to show it to you in John chapter 14. Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. Uh, they're, they're headed towards the Garden of Gethsemane. He's teaching them. And he says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled about the end times, about things that are going to happen, about the future. Don't worry about the future. This doesn't sound to me like, like he's mad when he comes back, Right? says, hey, don't, don't worry about this. Don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So if you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, the second coming is the best news. If you're not a Christian, it's the worst news. It's, it's no good, not good news for you. So he says, if you believe in me, that's great. Keep believing. Keep believing. He, he says in, in the next verse, my father's house has many rooms. It's a mansion. I'm, I'm building a new Jerusalem. And if that were not so, I, would I have told you? Would I have lied to you? Jesus is asking. Would I have told you that I'm going there to a, prepare a place for you if I wasn't going there? No. He says, my work on earth was not to build an earthly kingdom. It wasn't to overthrow Rome. It was to build a heavenly kingdom where you can join me one day. In fact, he says that in the next verse. He says, if I go to this place to prepare a place for you, I will come back. Y'all thought Terminator said that. Jesus said, I'll be back. I'll be back. And, and, and I'm going to take you. What, what is he coming back for? To take us to be with him. 
that where he is, we may also be. That, that, that you also may be where Jesus is. So he, he says, I'm going to prepare a place. I'm going to prepare this new, this new home, this mansion for you, this place for you. And I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm coming back with the intent to take you with me to heaven. And so let's talk about that today. So last week we talked about how Jesus rose from the dead, right? He, it was a celebration of the resurrection last Sunday. Uh, but in case you don't know the rest of the story, there, there's more to it. So Jesus lived 33 years on the earth, and then at 33 years old, he died on the cross. He went to the cross to pay for our sins. We, our sins had to be paid for, so he, he paid for them on the cross, and they buried him in a borrowed tomb for three days. You say, well, why did they, why, why did they borrow the tomb? Because he didn't need it that long, all right? He was only going to be in there three days. So he... He's in this borrowed tomb on the third day, on Sunday. He rises from the dead, and the Bible says that he spent the next 40 days walking the earth, meeting with his disciples, appearing to his disciples, teaching them, building their faith. And on the 40th day, he's on the Mount of Olives, just outside of Jerusalem. He's teaching his disciples that he, he gives them the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to tell people, I want you to go into the world and tell them they don't have to pay for their sins anymore. Tell them what I did. Tell them how I gave my life for them. And I want you to do it in Jerusalem and go to Judea and Samaria, which is the nation. And then I want you to go to the world, which is, by the way, our mission here. It's why we have local missions, national missions, and international missions. It's why we focus so much on those things. Because we have a great commission to go do that. That was Acts 1, verse 8. And then in verse 9, it says, after he gives them these last words, these are the last words of Jesus before he ascended, it says that after he said this, he was taken up. So he ascended into heaven before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky, trying to see as he was going. But as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood among them, they're angels. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. He's coming again, everybody. He's coming again. He's coming back. That's, we ought to give praise for that for sure. But he's coming back in the same way that we've seen him go. So he ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives, and I believe he's going to return again when the Bible says he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to descend right back where he ascended on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and everybody's going to see it. Amen. Everybody's going to see it. And so we're going to talk about that over these next several weeks and, and, uh, and see what the Bible has to say about the second coming. Now, the Bible is not silent on the second coming of Jesus, or has a lot to say about it. In fact, 30% of the Bible is prophecy. And of that prophecy, a good portion of it is end times prophecy. There's end time prophecy all the way even back into the Old Testament. You can read Ezekiel chapter 38 today and see end time prophecy today. Um, you see Russia in the Bible as Gog and Magog, the distant land of the north, also referred to as Rosh, the old term for Russia. They're in the Bible. And so, so go read what the Bible has to say about end times prophecy. The Bible's not silent on it. But just in the New Testament alone, in the New Testament alone, there are 300 references to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Every, 23 out of 27 New Testament books have something to say about the second return of Christ. Seven out of every ten chapters in the New Testament have something to say about the return of Christ. One out of every 30 verses have something to say about the return. And Jesus himself references the second coming 21 times. So the Bible has, it's not silent. And you say, well, why, why does the Bible talk about it? Why does it say so much about the end times? And here's what I believe. I believe the Bible talks about it 
Because God wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to be prepared when he comes back. And here's the thing. With all of the moral decay happening in our, in our nation and in the world today, all, all of the disintegration, all of the war on Christianity, all, all of the, the anti-Bible stuff, all, all of the pushback against what's godly, it's happening. And in the end times, it's going to be hard on people. But can I say it this way? It's even going to be hard on Christians. It's going to be hard on Christians. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, because of all of these things that are happening, because of the wickedness in the world, the love of most will grow cold. There's going to be some Christians who go, I don't know if I really believe this anymore. And I don't know if you can really trust the Bible. They just deconstruct the Bible. There's going to be people who say, well, you know, it's, it's changed. It's not the original that it used to be. So you really can't trust the word of God. There's, there's going to be a falling away. But at the same time, there's going to be a great revival. There, it's going to happen. The love of people will grow cold. And, and what, the reason I'm doing this series today is because I don't want your love to grow cold. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to just wander through life aimlessly. I want you to have hope and I want you to have future. And I want you to know that Jesus is not coming back for a denomination. He's not coming back for an organization. He's not coming back for a group of people who just believe this certain way. He's coming back for his bride, the church. And he wants his bride to be ready. Come on, somebody. I know all the men that's been married, you, you wanted your bride to be ready. You, you didn't want to be standing at the altar waiting for a couple hours. Is she, is she coming? Is she here? Did she, did she ditch me? You, you wanted her to be ready. Right? Same, same, same thing. Jesus is looking for a church that's ready. So my hope, what I, what I want to do today is I, I want this to be comforting to you. There's no reason you should be afraid, that you should be scared. You can be comforted and you can be encouraged by the fact that Jesus is coming back and this is a love story. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this is a love story. All right. So I want to take some time and show it to you. In First Thessalonians, it's a love story. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul's writing to this Thessalonian church and he says, according to whose word? The Lord's word. So according to Jesus, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, so when he returns, we will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have gone on before us, like my mom and my dad, my grandparents, people close to me who've gone on before me, we, we're not going to precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, Jesus, is going to come back. He's going to come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. All of the Baptists are going to heaven first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joke. Joke. Could be the Methodist or Presbyterian. We're not sure, but it, I'm just kidding. I love all, my, my, all my, my brothers in Christ. But the dead in Christ are going first. And then, watch what happens. After that, we who are still alive, that's all of us, and we're here left, we will be, say these two words, caught up. Caught up. Now, this is the Greek word harpazo. Harpazo means to suddenly snatch away. The word rapture, you may have heard that word before, it actually doesn't show up in Scripture. But it is translated from uh, Greek into Latin as rapturo. Rapturo, and that's where we get the word rapture. It means the same thing, to suddenly snatch away. It was here. He gone. I don't know. I don't know where we, he's, he's not here. He's gone. So, so this is where we get the word rapture comes in. You've heard that before. It's based on, on this right here. We who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And when you read this passage of scripture, I, I don't know about you, but I don't get the feeling that he's mad and angry and he's ready to just put his wrath on the earth. To me, what it feels like is it's a love story. I, I want to be with my bride. I want to be with my church. I want to be with, with the people that I died to, gave, to, 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 to give my life for. I want to be with them, Jesus says. 
And, and so this doesn't feel motivated by anger and, and wrath and I got to take care of that Antichrist. It doesn't feel motivated by that. It feels motivated by love. So when you, when you look at, at the first two chapters of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it begins with God and man in perfect harmony together until sin enters the world, right? And then when sin enters the world... The rest of the Bible is about man trying to be good enough. We're trying to earn our way. We're trying to get right with God. We're trying to prove our, our salvation until Jesus comes along. When he comes along, we're, we now have a payment for our sin for everybody who believes. But then you read the second to the last two chapters of the Bible. It's back to God and man in perfect harmony again. So the first two chapters are God and man in perfect harmony. The last two chapters of the Bible in Revelation are God and man in perfect harmony. Let me show it to you. Let me show you. What, here's what's going to happen. This is John, the revelator. John was an apostle of Jesus. John was, uh, like, he was an incredible disciple, an incredible apostle, one of Jesus' closest friends. At the end of his life, he's exiled to an island called Patmos, and, and he's, he dies there. He spends the rest of his life there. And while he's there, he, he, hears, he hears God speaking to him. Jesus shows up and speaks to him in Revelation. And it's, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven. He's, he's writing down what the angel is saying, what Jesus is saying, and what he is seeing. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Well, why was there a new heaven and a new earth? Because the old heaven and the old earth, they passed away. The current heaven, the current earth is going to pass away. It's going to fall away in the future. And there was no longer any sea. And John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it was prepared as a bride. And this is what I want us to get today, that, that Jesus is coming back for his bride, everybody. He's not coming back for some washed up, worn out, thought, you know, just did whatever I wanted to do. No, no, he's coming back for a bride who, who's ready for him, a bride who's dedicated herself to him, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne of God saying, look. Look, God's dwelling place is now with the people. And he will dwell with them. Think about this. In, in the Bible, in all of the Old Testament, in the Psalms, we see these Psalms of Ascent where Jewish, the Jewish writers, the psalmists, they talked about ascending the hill to Jerusalem. It was always about, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go up the mountain to Jerusalem. Let's go up. Let's go up. Let's go up. But now God is saying, I'm coming down. I'm coming down. I'm coming down. We used to have to go up to get to Jesus. Now he's coming down to get us. Amen. That's good news, everybody. And he will dwell with us. And, and, and we will be his people. And God himself will be with us. Them. He'll be with us and he'll be our God. And I love this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. Because the old order, the old heaven, the old earth has passed away. The new earth, the new heaven has come. We're going to, we'll study more about this. But I'm just trying to help you see this is a love story. He's so in love with us as the church. We're his bride. We're his bride. And maybe you go, well, Pastor Ben, I don't feel like a bride. I don't, I don't feel lovable. I don't feel, like, I don't feel like God really could use somebody like me. I don't feel, I feel like I've messed things up. I've blown it. I've, I've gone too far. I've done too much. God couldn't use someone like me. God couldn't love someone like me. Some of you have, you've talked your way out of being loved by God. Some of you, you think God is disgusted with you. I'm just damaged goods. Pastor Ben, I can't. He can't love me. Let, let me say it to you this way. I've raised four boys. Well, let me change that. I've helped raise four boys. Okay. I've helped raise four boys. Annalise and I, we have four awesome boys. 
Now, if you have raised kids or if you're a grandparent, if you have babysat, you know that kids, children, can be pretty disgusting. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty nasty. When, when you think about it, they're, they're babies and they eat and they have stuff all over their face and their hands are sticky and they put their hands in places and they poop in their pants. That's messed up. I mean, they, they create quite the mess, don't they? But you know what? Here's, here's what I've learned. All four of my boys, I love them so much. E even in all of their mess. Even in all of the junk and all of the stuff. I adore my boys. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for my boys. And can I tell you today that there's nothing he hasn't done for you. I, it's not that there's nothing he wouldn't do. He already did it. He already sent his one and only son to pay the price so that you could have a life eternal. He already did that part, so he's already paid the price. He just, he's waiting for relationship with you. He adores you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And so he's already paid the price. He's already done it. He's waiting. He loves you. It's not a horror story. It's a what? It's a love story. It's a love. He loves us. So I'm just trying to help you see this today, church. Is this helping anybody? All right. So as believers, we don't have, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry, am I going to have to scan my forehead at the supermarket to pay for the groceries? Unless you are left behind. And then, all right. But I'm going out on the first load, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on the first, the, the first load up. Count me in, Jesus. I'm ready to go. So, so here's the question. All right, here's the question. If, if Jesus is coming back, Pastor Ben, are we in the last days? You're in your last days. Does it help it when I say it that way? Are we in the last days? I don't know, but you're in your last days. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I got about 50 left. Unless Jesus comes back first. Not 50 days, 50 years, by the way. <laughs> Just to clarify. You know, some of y'all like, dang, what's... I mean, if he wants to come in the next 50 days, that's cool too. But I'm planning on, I want to be here for a while. I want to be here for a little bit. But if, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to plan like he's not coming back for 100 years, but I'm going to live like he could come tomorrow, today. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to live like he could come back any moment. So are we living in the last days? We're living in our last days, all right? So if we're living in the last days, if Jesus is coming again, what do I need to do? How do I need to live? What does he expect of me? What does he want out of me, Pastor Ben? And I got, I've got three things for you today. It's in your notes. And these are three things that come from Peter. Peter was also one of Jesus' closest friends, closest companions, spent three years with Jesus, a protege of Jesus. Jesus taught him. Jesus poured into him. And in his letter, Peter writes it this way. He says there's three things that we need to do because the end is coming, three things. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The first thing is this. Since Jesus is coming back, we need to get right with God. Get right with God. And if, if you are right with God, can I encourage you to stay right with God? There are some things in this world that will pull you away. There are some temptations. There are some, there are some cultural beliefs and some cultural dynamics that oppose Christianity, oppose the Word of God. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself leaning into those things. Let me just encourage you, stay right with God. Stay right with Him. If you're not right with Him, Get right. The old timers, they used to say, you better get right or you're finna get left. <laughs> get right or get left. You know what I mean? And, and there's truth in that. We need to get right with God. And this is, getting right with God is not as difficult as we make it out to be. You don't need me to tell you that you're not right with God. That's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. He speaks He'll speak to you. He'll whisper to you where you're missing the mark, where you're not right with God. That's, my, that's not my job. My job is to be a mouthpiece. My job is to present the gospel and leave the Holy Spirit up to the convicting. He'll, t he'll do that. 
But what do I do when he does convict me, Pastor Ben? How do I get right with God? Well, confess. Confess. Confess your sins. And you know, the Bible never says to confess your sins and then don't sin again. It never says that. It, it doesn't say confess and then, and, and then never do it again. It does not say that. Here's, here's the truth. You're going to sin. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin. I'm going to mess it up. I don't want to. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, but it's going to happen. You will too. And so what, what do I do when I mess up? Confess it. Why? Because when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. He can forgive us. He can cleanse us. He can wash us and make us new. And Peter said it this way, that the end of all things is near. Jesus is coming back. And because of that, we need to be clear-minded. We need to repent of our sins. We, we, need to get, we need to confess these things and we need to practice some self-control because that's one of the fruits of the Spirit so that we can have a relationship with God through prayer. We need to do that. We need to get right with God. Repent of our sins. Turn back to Him. We need to get ready. We need to get ready for Him like a bride gets ready for her husband because, look at this, because the wedding for the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Jesus is coming back for His bride. The, the wedding is getting close. And Jesus is looking for the bride that's ready for Him. Peter goes on to say it this way. We need to be ready. We need to be ready because we don't know when He's going to come. The Lord will come like a thief in the night. We don't know the day or hour, remember? We don't know. He's going to come when we least expect it. When we say everything is good, when everything is awesome. Also, when, when the days are like the days of Lot and Noah. We'll talk about that at another time. He says he's going to come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything will be laid bare. And since everything will be destroyed in this way, how do you think you should live? Since, I'm coming, since he's coming back, how do you, what kind of people ought you to be? He says you ought to live a life that's holy and godly and set apart. Set apart for him. So if Jesus is coming, I need, to, I need to be right with God. Number two, jot this down, I need to develop godly relationships. So I need to get right with God, but I need to have some people on earth who, man, they, they've got my back. You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. We need relationships in our lives because, listen, confessing my sins to God brings forgiveness. But there's a whole nother level. If, if, if all you do is confess your sins to Jesus, that's great. You may be going to heaven, but the rest of your life on earth will be hell on earth. Because you've got to get free from some things. You've got to get past some of the things that hold you back. Addictions. Things that, things that you think, man, nobody, can, nobody needs to know about this. I can't let anybody know what's really going on in my life. Peter said it this way, that above all, love each other deeply. Love each other through the thick and thin. Love each other through the good times and the bad times. Love each other through the addictions. Love each other through the, through the rough moments. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And I would, I would venture to say that if you have a multitude of sins, it's likely because you don't have accountability in your life. If you have a multitude of sins right now, it's because nobody knows. Nobody knows. And you're scared out of your mind to let somebody in on the secret of what's going on in your life. But can I tell you, you'll always be as sick as your secrets. You'll always be as sick as what's hiding behind the surface, beneath the surface. And, and, and Peter says, hey, you've, you've, you've got to get in relationship. Offer hospitality to one another. Hebrews says it this way, that we need to consider how to spur one another on. How do we push each other forward? How do we sharpen each other? Um, how, how can we push people toward love and good deeds? Not giving up meeting together. 
Come on, somebody. But look, being in church, being together in small groups, what can we do? So we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but James says we confess them to each other for healing. If you want to be healed in your life, if you want to break through some of the stuff that's in your life, if you want transformation, it happens in relationships. It happens when you take off the mask and you say, this is who I really am. This is what I'm really struggling with. This is where I'm at. And you don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Amen? You've got to tell someone. Don't give up meeting together. Don't, don't give up on church. Don't give up on small groups. But instead, encourage one another and do it even more because the day is approaching. What's the day? Capital D is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the closer we get to Jesus coming back, we need to be in relationship with people. We need to be getting free from the past, settling our yesterdays. Oh, come on, somebody. We need, we need to get free, and we need to be free in Jesus' name. So what do we do? Go to church. Get in a small group. Find a relationship. We're, we're actually ending this semester of small groups is ending in two weeks. At the end of this month, end of April, we end this semester of groups and we'll start a brand new semester of small groups June 1st. And I hope and I pray that every day it's just on your mind. You can't wait until you get in a group where you can find some friends and you can find somebody who will encourage you and hold you up and lift you up because it'll be hard without relationships. You can, you can do it, but it's going to be difficult, all right? It's going to be difficult. So let's develop godly relationships because Jesus is coming. And then the third thing is let's live to make a difference. What are you talking about? Let's live to get as many people in the kingdom of God as possible. Come on, let's use our gifts. Let's use our abilities, our talents, our, our treasure. Let's use everything to populate heaven. Come on, somebody. Let's not be satisfied with, with, well, look what God's done. He's so good to us. We, we, better, we better not do, do too much more. No, no, no. Let's, let's make a difference. Let's make an eternal difference. Peter said, use whatever gifts that he's given you. Every one of you have a gift. Every one of you have a purpose, a calling, a destiny. Every one of you have a life, a, 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 a passion that God's put inside of you. And he wants you to use that to make a difference for eternity. He wants you to use whatever gift you've received to serve others. How do I serve? You just give them God's grace. You give God's grace. You share your faith. Listen, sharing your faith isn't telling people how bad they are. It's telling people how good God is. That's grace. We all know how bad we are. You don't need me to tell you. We know. We need somebody to tell us how good God is. He can cleanse us and forgive us and wash us and set us free. If anyone speaks, he should use it as... He should speak with the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised. And that's what I love about this church is that in all that's happening here, God is getting the glory. God is getting praise. This isn't about City Hope. It's not about me. It's not about a, a church. It's about Jesus. It's about to Him be the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever and ever. So let's use our gifts. Today is growth track, step two. It's, step two of the growth track is all about discovering your purpose you don't have to have gone through step one to go today you can go to today to step two discover who you are discover the gifts that God's put inside of you discover that there are things that you were born with on the inside of you that he meant for you to use for his kingdom to populate heaven discover the things you're a 10 at something you're a 10 in in some area and God wants to use you let's use that to make a difference Let's use it to see people come to know Jesus. So, um, so we don't know when he's coming. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. We know the season when he's coming. We can't tell you the time. We can't tell you the day. 
but we know the season. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, that the gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. But we're not there yet. The gospel is being preached. But right now, there's still thousands of languages that don't have a copy of the Bible. They don't, they, don't have, they don't have it translated in their language. And by the way, you're part of helping translate the Bible for people around the world. Every dollar you give, part of it goes right back out to translate it, to help speed this up. Some of you are going, no, 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 don't speed it up. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> thousands of languages don't have the gospel yet. But can I tell you that the gospel has advanced more in the last 50 years than it has in the previous 1,972 years since Jesus died on the cross. It's, it's, it's increased more. It's advanced more in the last 50 years. I'll have all kinds of stats I could give to you to talk about that. In fact, of the 193 nations on the earth, the gospel is growing faster than the population in every nation except 17. There's 17 nations where it's not growing as fast, and America is one of the 17. It's because we think we know it all. We, we think we've got it all. We, we're affluent. We have, we have all that we need. We think we, we think we can play God. We think we can make our own decisions about certain things. It's contrary to the Word of God. So America is not in decline yet, but we're, we're stagnant. We're not growing. Christianity's not growing here, but it's growing rapidly around the world. And most, in many of the places, like the 1040 window, it's growing, it's growing with Muslims. Muslims are seeing visions of Jesus. They're having Jesus dreams. And they wake up and they go, I got to know this man, Jesus. Who can I talk to about this man, Jesus? And they give their life to Jesus. It's happening in the 1040 window in Muslim nations. And, and by the way, you're helping translate the Bible in the 1040 window. You're helping make that happen. Revival is happening. We may not see it in America, but it's happening around the world. In fact, today, Pastor Derek and one of our dream teamers are in Cuba. They're in a closed communist country today preaching the gospel and will be installing uh, water clean drinking water filters in 75 homes throughout the island, pastor's homes, and that's going to help spread the gospel even more because when you meet a physical need, then you can meet a spiritual, spiritual need. Come on, somebody. Like, you're helping make that happen. It's part of you that's... So far, just, just this year, so far this year, you've given over $90,000 to local, national, and international missions outside the walls of City Hope Church. Come on, you're making a difference. You're speeding it up. So I just, I just want to tell you how proud I am of, of you for doing that, for being part of that. So let me, let me close with this. Got to hurry. Let me close with this, this thought. I told you about the last words of Jesus before he ascended let me give you the last words of Jesus in the Bible okay in the book of Revelation last words of Jesus this is in the, uh, the book of Revelation written by John the Revelator John's on the Isle of Patmos they tried to kill him multiple times John wouldn't die uh, seriously he wouldn't die they tried to boil him in oil he wouldn't die he ends up on the island of Patmos and he has visions and he sees Jesus and he writes down this prophecy to, to the local churches and he says you need to repent and he gives some end times, Jesus gives some end times messages to John but he says this he says here I am behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens if you open the door I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and that person will eat with me. And can I just tell you today, that's what Jesus is doing. He's here. He's standing at the door. And he's knocking. He's knocking on your heart because it's a love story. He's a gentleman. He's not honking the horn, sitting out in his Mustang. 
It's a love story. He's standing at the door. He said, hey, you ready? Can we, can we go? And he's waiting on you. So I want to I wanna ask you to bow your heads today. Close your eyes and just ponder that thought for a moment. That Jesus is standing at the door. He's calling out to you. Are you ready? You ready to go? It's a love story. Are you ready? Is it time? And he says, I, I'm just waiting for you to open the door. And so I want to know today how many of you are ready to open the door? How many of you are ready to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life? If you're a Christian, you've already opened the door. But if you're here today and your heart is pounding and you feel the weight of your guilt and your sin and the shame and you're ready to receive what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins, you're ready to open the door to eternal life, you're ready to open the door to have a relationship with Jesus today, on the count of three, I want you to boldly slip up your hand. One, two, three three. Come on, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. One, two. Who else would say, that's me, Ben? Going all in. Three. Anyone else? Say, that's me. I'm going all in. Four, five, six, seven. Anyone else? Eight. I'm so proud of everyone and every one of you. This is the best decision of your life. Going all in. I see you. Nine. All right, let's, let's pray this prayer together, church. I'll say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life, all that I am. I repent of all my sin. I'm asking you, will you forgive me? Will you be the Lord of my life? I'm opening the door for you today. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, my Savior, my best friend. And from this day forward, I will serve you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise today. Let's thank God today for salvation.